So if you knew me, you would know that I absolutely love musical theater. Hi, we're Hannah Bay, Jasmine Joda, and Teresa McCartney, all T23s. And you are listening to If You Knew Me, a grassroots podcast dedicated to celebrating diversity, equity, and inclusion at the Tech School of Business at Dartmouth. On today's episode of If You Knew Me, we have one of my favorite Tuckies in the house, um, Destiny Mentor Richards, who's a first year here at Tuck and also our class president. Welcome, Destiny. Thank you so much for having me, Teresa. Of course. So I think you know how this works. We typically have guests fill out the, the sentence, if you knew me, you would know that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So if you knew me, you would know that I absolutely love musical theater. I've always kind of loved it. I think this goes back to probably five-year-old me being incredibly shy, but loving the theater and loving acting and singing and dancing and being on stage. And yeah, it's one of my favorite things to take part of, part, take part in, but also to just be a spectator of. So I think the most surprising sentence, um, no, the most surprising aspect of that sentence is you saying you were shy when you were younger. <laughs> I think we need to dig into that a little bit because if you can't tell, Destiny is not very shy. I am not. I um, was painfully shy pretty much up until, I want to say middle to late high school. Um, a lot longer than I think a lot of people probably who have met, interacted with me know. Um, I think I'm just very self-conscious all the time. I, in my like home community, I was very, very different. Like I was like kind of one of the few in my like home neighborhood who like had gone to prep school and like all the things that come with that. And, and then where is home? Home is New York City. So Brooklyn, New York. And, um, the flip side is at school. I also was like always kind of the only one. And I think I really internalized that. Like, I didn't really ever feel comfortable in my skin. I never was like first pick to do anything, right? Like I realized, and I think credit to my mom, she realized fairly early that I just kind of came alive when I was on stage. And so she put me in a lot of things. Um, so I, yeah, everything from like auditioning to like actual Broadway shows to um, piano recitals, to dance recitals, to yeah, anything with a stage on it, I had done it from even including pageants. Um, and that was one of the few times that I would just like kind of break out of my shell, but then I would kind of go back into it. Um, and I think around high school was when I really started to find my voice and realize like, I didn't just have to play someone else or like impersonate someone else to feel confident. So I guess taking a step back, um, growing up shy, always had an early affinity, uh, for theater. What was it at first that you think drew you to theater? I mean, of course, growing up in New York city, it's just one of the foundational elements of, of where you lived, but I'm curious about what specifically drew you to it. Yeah, I think it was a combination. Um, so I think, honestly, it's it was probably my mom. I feel like that's how like every therapy session started, like <laughs> how it dates back to my mother. But um, no, I so I didn't grow up with a lot of means, and I think something I would really credit my mom for, she was very deliberate about the types of experiences she wanted me to have. Like she never wanted me to feel she never wanted me to feel the challenges of us not having a lot. And one of those things, so she was big on experiences and one of those things were theater. And so in New York City, um, there is something called rush tickets. And so you go to the box office the day of the show. Back then it was like, you'd go at like 5 a.m. and you would see a show. And so that's how I started seeing Broadway shows. It's like my mom and I, when I was five or six years old, I would go to the theater with her on Saturdays at 5 a.m. and we'd wait 
two hours for the box office to open to get $30 tickets. Wow. And so it was like such a, and like, I know it's crazy because now in business school, like I know to a lot of people, $30 sounds like not a lot, but like at the time, like that was something, right? And that was a, that was a sacrifice and that was a little bit of a luxury. And as I got older, um, at those times when rush tickets started to become more popular and therefore more expensive, um, there would be times that like my mom and I would go and she would just get a ticket for me and wait outside at like a Starbucks a block mm. away so I could enjoy the show. And this was probably like once a month, like my entire, like from five to 15. And so I think theater for me always had this weird symbolism tied to it of how much my mom loved me and like how much she sacrificed for me. And I kind of always subconsciously linked those two things together. Um, and I just, you know, when your parents are sacrificing, it's hard not to love something. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's probably where the love started. But then more and more as I got older, um, I, I think important context is I'm also an only child and I did not grow up with a TV. So like books, like, you know, reading and music, like are such a big part of my identity and how I relate to the world and how I see the world. And it just was another like prism by which I could see the world and interact with people. So you talked about being um, an observer or an audience member for theater, but you also talked about being a participant <laughs> yes. in terms of whether it be, you know, a multitude <laughs> yeah. of different yeah. um, forays into the stage. <laughs> what is it about being on stage or being in the public eye, if you will, that enabled you to come out of your shell? Because I think actually for most people, it's the exact opposite. Mm. That's a good question. I think it's twofold. It's like knowing the experience of being in the audience. Like, I think there are shows that have taught me more about myself and it's like fictional, right? Like I've seen myself on stage, even if it wasn't someone who looked like me or had the exact same background, but I've learned about myself as a result of being in the audience and being a part of things where I could then create those kinds of experiences for other people. And so um, I think of specific things, like I was in a production of Big River when I was in middle school, which is like the story of Huck Finn. Um, I don't remember what character I was, but I was like someone's mom or something. A 12-year-old mom. A 12-year-old mom, you know, <laughs> typical, typical production. Fuck <laughs> finish. No, nothing can go wrong there. Um, but or even actually, really funny story, slight tangent. So um there's a filmmaker whose kid went to my school, um, a pretty prominent filmmaker, and we had these one-act plays, and it was just me on stage and like so it was really dark content too for a high schooler to be doing. I think it was about like suicide or like loss or something like that. And it was me on stage for like 25 minutes, just on a complete monologue. And there was not a dry eye in the theater and the lights come on and this filmmaker is front row, wow, middle. And it, it, it just was one of those moments where when I think of like some of the most ridiculous things that happened to me in this New York City school, <laughs> that was one of them was like looking out to say it was like Spike Lee. I like look up and I'm like locking eyes with Spike Lee and he's like locked in on me. And I just was like, this is my time to shine. <laughs> so I don't know. It's something about being able to just to tap into someone's like spirit mm -hmm. um, in a way that very few art forms can do. And that have, that's happened to me. So that's why I enjoy it. Um, but I also did acapella and like pageants and other things that like pageants don't really serve anyone in the crowd I think those were more confidence builders I mm -hmm. think I love music like I absolutely love music I'm always playing music in some form um and acapella was a way for me to just kind of tap into that in a different way mm -hmm. and learn how to be on stage but also learn how to be the person in the spotlight yep 
Absolutely. Acapella taught me how to be comfortable being in the spotlight. And I did it all throughout high school, all throughout college. And um, it was extremely uncomfortable. Like <laughs> the amount of times I would get solos for my acapella group and then like just pass it on or come up with BS reasons why I didn't want to be that person. And it wasn't until like my junior year of college where I was comfortable saying, okay, this is my solo and I'm going to get up there and do it. So you talked a little bit about, you know, obviously growing up with theater, but participating participating in it and being an audience member, but you haven't lived in New York City, I think for the past decade or so. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about how this passion has informed, you know, where you've lived, yeah. both what cities, where within the cities, and yeah. how it's um, kind of stayed with you. I left New York City in 2011, went away to college in Massachusetts, and then came back from for three years after college. And in those three years, it was very fortuitous. I actually worked on Times Square, and I literally <laughs> lived on Times Square, so I could go to a show every payday. No one lives on Times Square. <laughs> I lived on Times Square. Like, I lived in Hell's Kitchen, 52nd and 10th. Like, oh it was... I went to a show every single payday, and I saw the same show multiple times. Like, it was a problem. Like I probably spent no less than 40% of my paycheck just on Broadway shows and I was, or movies. Like if I couldn't get a Broadway show, I would do a movie and it was like a cheap substitute, you know? Wow. It was kind of like the soy milk of, yeah. <laughs> like the Beyond Almost Burger there. version yeah. of theater. <laughs> That's what it felt like. But I, like I was always doing it every single payday. That was my routine. Um, and so once I left New York, so right before Tuck actually, I was in St. Louis for three years. I deliberately chose an apartment that was walking distance to where the traveling theater was. Cause I was like, I need to be, every time there's a new show in town, I need to be able to be a part of it. But to be honest, it was weirdly difficult. Like I didn't think it would be as difficult as it was for me. Like not having sense, like multiple shows I could go to. Mm. Like I had to, like there was only one show and it would play for like a month at the Fox Mm. theater. And then sometimes there'd be a concert and like, it just wasn't consistent. And oftentimes they were the more popular shows. So I'd seen The Lion King like a ton of times. I'd seen Wicked a ton of times. Like Mm -hmm. in New York. In New York, right? Like at the highest caliber I had seen it. And so to see the traveling group, it was kind of like, all right, I mean, this is fine. But I will say, um, I I think that's when I started to branch out a little bit and realize like, okay, this this is a part of my spirit. This is a part of who I am that I'm not ready to let go of, but I'm maybe ready to see transform in other ways. And so... Once I was in St. Louis, I started reaching out to a bunch of Broadway investors who were actually mm-hmm. in St. Louis because I think that's when I started to realize, okay, if this is that meaningful to me, I need to find a way to make it part of my life mm-hmm. into perpetuity, not just when I have time or when I have the resources. Um, so my like dream, my like dream dream, like the day when I'm like, I don't want to put an age on it because I know when I'm that age, I'm like, that's not that old. <laughs> but when I'm like older and I've hit the professional milestones, I've hit the personal milestones and I'm like sitting there in my rocking chair. If I could be someone who's investing in Broadway shows just like for fun, like I would have had a life well lived. Wow. I can honestly say that. Like that is the pinnacle of joy and success professionally for me. So I know your career directly out like after Tuck, um, likely going the consulting route from what I understand. Um, but you still have this extremely creative, I think, element of you and passion. Do you ever see a way to kind of infuse this within your work? directly after talk or does it more just kind of inform what cities you want to be in geographically? Um, It doesn't inform what cities I want to be in geographically um, so much anymore. 
because I started to, especially St. Louis was great, but also the pandemic was great for me because mm. it shut down everything. Like, yeah. okay, maybe I can't see Wicked, but I can go to the movie theater. And the pandemic was like, <laughs> LOL, good try. <laughs> you know? Um, and it started to make me realize, like, this idea of stepping into someone's story isn't something that only has to happen in a fictional context. Um, it started to make me realize that, like, you know, everyone has a story. There's a story arc to everyone's experience, everyone's life. And so being able to tap into the, like each individual story, um, I think started to become more and more honestly a part of my identity and like the way I interact with people. It's like, I like to get deep. I like, I want to know your feelings, your motivations. Um, I want to know, you know, the story arc of your life and your success and your failures and all those things. And so going to the theater as like a routine is a much smaller part of my um, extracurricular desires now. Because I do feel like with every individual I meet, it like, it just like breathes fresh air into me. It's, it almost is that same rush I feel like when I'm seeing a show. In terms of the kind of work I want to do, I think, so I am going into consulting tentatively um, post-tuck and I'll be in DC tentatively again. Cause you know, who knows? You make plans and God laughs, but, um, <laughs> but I do want to focus on media and entertainment. I do see my career increasingly going in that direction. To be honest, I don't know how. And I know in some way it's going to happen. It's going to touch musical theater at some point. Like I know it's going to interact whether it's, you know, coming up with a streaming platform for musical theater shows. I I can't put my finger on how, but I know it's going to come back around. And so right now looking as I like, am more looking at building the foundation for my career. I'm more focused on what are the experiences I need to be able to, particularly when I have the means and the time to really Mm -hmm. be an effective Broadway investor. Destiny, as our class president, you've gotten to know a lot of the stories of the tech community. I'm curious about what that means to you. My motivation coming to a place like Tuck was because it was small knit, because I wanted to live like the Lorax and be in the forest. <laughs> no, but like, you know, I, I wanted to be somewhere where people were fully bought in and where people felt because of the size and because of the remoteness and because honestly, there's nowhere to go, no, like nowhere you can escape yeah. to or hide. Um, people felt empowered to be their full selves. And when I think about how I have moved through Tuck so far in my first year, um, it is a huge, it would be a failure on my part if I graduated from this institution and I did not, at least in some vague sense, have a sense of why people were, why each, each person in our class at least was here, what their motivations were and what made them come alive. Um, I think it's getting to know people is so much more than like, oh, I know your name and where you're from. We don't choose those things. Mm-hmm. Um, we choose, and honestly, to some extent, we don't even choose the careers, right? Like we're still in, in a very early stage, but we do choose our motivations. We choose the reason why when it's easy to give up, we keep going. And I think when I think about the most impactful part of this experience and and when I think of what I'm most grateful for um, in the faith that the class has bestowed in me, it's just a sense like, I, I do feel like our class is trusting me with their stories. Absolutely. Um, and I don't take that lightly. Um, I, I view it as a great privilege. And so that's why I enjoy, I enjoy representing our class. I enjoy getting to know people, but I also realize there's so much farther to go. Um, I don't know if that fully answers your question, but um, it's, a, it's been a huge part of my talk experience and hopefully something I can continue doing at talk and um, into the working world as well. Great.
so Dustin, I have to say I'm a little bit surprised to hear that you were a shy, you know, element like up really up until high school, because I look at you today as our class president and see someone who's wise and decisive, if you will, <laughs> to espouse kind of tux, <laughs> tux motto. Um, I guess from how you evolved, um, I think both from a high level and more tactically, can, can you walk through what what spurred this change um, and how you really evolved into and are going to continue to evolve into um, the leader you are? Yeah, sure. So I think in terms of a specific moment, I do think like everyone has that moment when they like something clicked for them. Um, and for me, it was um, a friend passing away my sophomore year of, at, of school, at school. And of college. Of, uh, no, this was my sophomore year of high school. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, it was just one of those moments when I started to realize that like no day is a guarantee was one. Um, but two, that this person, while I would count him a friend, I didn't know anything about him. Mm. Um, and if I'm being totally honest, the selfish reptilian 16 brain, 16 year old in me was like, that's totally fine. Um, but when he died, everything kind of shifted. Um, and it started, I started to realize one, I need to do a better job investing in the stories of my friends, but the stories of everyone else. Um, but two, I also had to do a better job showing people the real me, mm -hmm. not the me who was bookish and quiet. Um, not the me who was, you know, little Miss Perfect who never did anything wrong because I was very good at playing that part. Um, <laughs> um, but the me that was flawed and imperfect and faced challenges and, you know, struggled with mental health and just kind of sometimes just making it day to day mm -hmm. um, and realizing that like, one, I had a story to tell. Um, and two, I deserve to share that story and people deserve to hear it. Um, so that, that was a big thing for me. And I think as I've kind of, so that's kind of, you know, high school me, I think as I've gotten older, I do have to often honestly fight that urge to hide my story. Um, and fight that urge to show people the real me. But I think it's remembering that. And this is a quote from my favorite poem, The Desiderata. But it's, um, remember, you are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. um, and just remembering that, like, I deserve to be here. I deserve to take up space. And I deserve to be seen. And I deserve the opportunity to see others. I love that. It's the tech community is really lucky to have you. Thanks for listening to this episode of If You Knew Me. The If You Knew Me podcast was founded back in the fall of 2020 to help deepen student connections and foster a culture of belonging at Tuck. Please check out our other episodes to support and learn more about other Tuckies. If you have any questions or feedback on the podcast, or if you want to be featured on a future episode, please contact us at the email address listed in the description.